The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. senses and challenge your beliefs a world where science and religion clash or do they you will meet real people and hear real stories but you will not believe you will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds but you will not believe this is the new england ghost project welcome to the nightmare good evening everyone and welcome to another edition of ghost chronicles international I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. With me, all the way from across the pond, is Mr. Parascience himself, the late Stephen Parsons. Uh, it's only late because it's just gone 8 o'clock in the evening here. 8 o'clock. Yeah, 8 o'clock. I mean, isn't time so strange? You listen, oh, you listen to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojanet, Parax, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Isn't time strange, though? Uh, well, as Einstein said, time is entirely relative. Because, well, have, uh, you know, it's exactly the same time, isn't it? You know, Exactly. But, I mean, But it's 8 o'clock at night here, but, you know, you haven't even had your tea yet, or evening I meal, or whatever you call it over there. I just finished my tea. Oh, your tea. Yeah, I did finish my tea. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it, because it's, it's, it's just, the same time. I mean, we're in the same... Well, that's weird. We're well, same. it's all to do with the, the way that the sun is, isn't it? I mean, here it's just setting, and you've still got some hours of daylight left, and I guess it would be pretty silly if it was still 3 o'clock in the afternoon here as the sun was setting, so... I, yeah. The, whoever thought this up, obviously, you know, realised that you would want your tea at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and not 8 o'clock at night. So they I did know, it for your benefit. Time is the same, it's just day is different. Um, well, uh, what is it? Uh, time is relative to the viewer, isn't it? So that yeah, uh, we, could, we could go into that, but I think that's far too heavy. Yeah, really? Well, I think so. <laughs> so, anyways... Uh couple things I did want to talk about, and I just came off with, uh, you know, two weeks ago I was at the Hooten Mansion on a legend tripping thing with Darkness Dave and Jeff Bullinger and the boys from Spooky South Coast and Andrew Lake, and that was pretty interesting. It was a good time, and uh, a lot of experiences. People had a lot of experiences there, and then last weekend I was at the Paranormal for Paws. It was a like a little expo, and I gave a little talk on the lighter side of ghost hunting, uh, chasing invisible people in the dark was the name of it. And um, we raised about a thousand bucks for the no-kill animal shelters, so that was cool. It's always nice. Um, uh, yeah, that you just set my mind racing when you said about uh, chasing invisible people in the dark. Uh, uh-huh. It's one about shadow people, isn't it? How do you see shadow people in the dark? There's an enigma. Well, yeah, very well. You know, like everything, darkness is relative. 
Um, right. Well, yeah, I, I guess, again, you are absolutely right, because we can, we can now see in the dark, because dark is just an absence of visible light. Right. Um, but we can still use other wavelengths in order to be able to see. So visually it's dark is perhaps more accurate. The, but no, but dark, I, I, is, dark is, a, is a good term. Um, the, you know, the it, thing it accurately is, though, describes Stephen, it, doesn't it? Stephen, there, the thing is, there are only... I mean, I saw this. They actually had a map, and they had the, the grades of darkness in the, the 10, the darkest. There's very little space on our planet that has that 10 rating because we generate so much, uh, uh, I was going to say, I guess lightness is the word, and I don't know what the word is, but generated so much light that, that you can't find uh, true darkness only in really remote regions. I can, I can actually relate to that because uh, some years ago um, we did a, a ghost investigation for, uh, deep inside a coal mine. Uh, we were around about a thousand feet below ground level. Ooh, and it, there were areas, obviously, there were lights inside the mine, but we had them extinguished. And there was some people had put into their investigation notes that it was actually so dark they didn't know whether their eyes were open or closed except by touching them. Um, so that's very, very dark. But what was interesting is uh, when we were in those situations of absolute, utter, complete darkness, um, people had more visual hallucinations. People were seeing bright flashes of light, um, bright colored swirls, uh, patterns of light. Uh, these were all generated by the, you know, internally between the optic nerve and the brain, uh, simply because the, of the complete lack of stimulation of the do, eyeball. Do you think we're actually tapping into our subconscious when we see that? That's what we're really seeing as our subconscious. Um, I think. I think. Possibly more realistically, what we're seeing is the, the brain struggling to deal with the fact that there's no, nothing coming from the, from the eyes. You know, the optic nerve isn't, is, is, is uh, firing, and the brain is seeing these electrical impulses as flashes of light, as um, bursts of color. What was interesting is as soon as we put even a very small light on, um, we're talking about a candle in a music hall uh, type lighting, People, um, these, these coloured flashes and patterns went away. Um, but what was more interesting, and this was, this was quite a discovery, because we had, we had assumed beforehand that the, um, in utter complete darkness, people would become more frightened uh, and people would report more, more uh, unusual experiences, become more scared. Uh, what in reality happened is... Uh, when when all of the light was extinguished and there was complete and utter zero lux conditions, people became very calm and very, very relaxed. And it was only when we put lights back on that people started to regain a sense of fear and foreboding because there was just enough light for that. them to see small shadows and for them to exactly. start to allow the exactly. imagination to run. And, and not only that, but because of uh, we we can see, but there is a fall off. So it was always that twilight area where what is real and what isn't real. I mean, that's that's the problem. We begin to see that again, and that can stir fear into us as well. So, You're absolutely anyway. right. But it was it went completely against uh, the hypothesis that. Right. Um, 
darkness would would you know be more scary um, uh-huh. people said universally there wasn't an exception to it um and i was there i experienced it too a very very calming sense um or you know it, it was it was like being asleep but awake uh, but without the dreams but these intense bursts of colored light these flashes uh, spots of color um, and even the smallest amount of light stopped it. It was mm-hmm. quite a fascinating experience. So you, you mentioned an interesting thing. You talked about hypothesis. And I thought uh, today in the show we would like to address a couple of the the letters that we received. And um, we have a, uh, a letter. It was a rather lengthy letter, but it, 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 it uh, actually ties into what we were talking about. So um, I actually have someone who's going to read it for us. So um, it's actually St. Jen. And St. Jen, who, if you don't know, is my wife. Uh, they call her St. John Jan because, uh, you know, you have to be a saint to put up with me, basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Jan, you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm clear. Yes, Hi again. Hi, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I like your you, accent. It's very pleasant. Thank you very much. You, you, you are absolutely it. right, Ron. You do have to be a saint to put up with you. <laughs> See, I like you already. <laughs> <laughs> I only have to put up with Ron for an hour a week. <laughs> Until you come over here and then... <laughs> Until I come over here. Yeah. And then you're going to get your own back, yeah, I know. So, Jen, uh, I, I received the letter, and, and I don't read very well uh, ever since, you know, even when I had Ron, my uh, my son, I never read to him because it would be uh, my mind races ahead of the ahead of the word, so it, it makes it difficult. So I decided to have St. Jen read this uh, email, which is a rather lengthy email that we received, and it does have some questions, and, and it's tied into what we were talking about. So, so Jen, you want to you read that for us, please? Yes, I'll read it now. <clears throat> Hi, guys. I've been listening to Ghost Chronicles off and on for years, and have spent the last month or so polishing through the archives of Ghost Chronicles International. You guys keep me company as I work, and at this point I swear I hear Ron in my sleep. Poor person. On International, you have a lot of back and forth regarding the theories of methods of ghost hunting and the scientific method, and there's one aspect I haven't heard you discuss, which I think might clarify some of your discussion. I also think it's missing from a lot of the paranormal investigation. When writing a scientific paper, you always need to start off with your thesis and discuss the intent of your paper. I'm somewhat of a casual observer of ghost study, but I almost never see this happen. If you end up with all the stuff that exists without a stated end goal... I find that I fill in the blank myself when watching, reading, or listening to ghost information. Over time, I've somewhat come up with a few categories. You'll have investigations where the entire goal is just to document the haunting. Personally, I like these. The entire thing ends up being pure data, reading, recording, historical background, and personal feelings of those there without any sort of motive or twist on the part of the investigator. It leaves the extrapolation of the information to the person who is reading the investigation, and you, as the reader, get to decide what to take at face value and what should be tossed out or as extraneous details. There's the disproving investigations where the goal is to show that there is no paranormal activity. The entire activity being our cam's razor, 
find other explanations for everything happening and debunk the situation. Anything that can't be explained in the realm of the normal is therefore paranormal. Sometimes the whole idea of an investigation is to just have a very real first-person interaction with the supernatural. You'll see ghost hunters with no equipment just there to experience a haunting in a very pure form. There's the background puzzle solvers. That is where you see the people piecing together the information they receive into a coherent story. So, for instance, you have a medium sensing a sad young woman in turn-of-the-century clothes, reports of children's toys, and an EVP of a baby crying, and the investigators would define it as the sad story, the sad ghost of a 19th-century woman who lost her child. And you'll have the storytellers, like Ghost Walks and so many books out there, that repeat stories of places and things often mixed with history to entertain. There's a few more, but now you get the idea. Now, each has its own place and can be enjoyed and understood on its own merits. I can settle down with the book of local ghost stories and love it as folklore and insight into some weird local history, and then listen to my friends coldly dissect how a settling foundation caused a poltergeist. I don't see how the two is being necessarily opposites, merely existing by itself. I wish that these goals were stated, however, because I think that it would eliminate a lot of tension between people in the paranormal committee. While it's entertaining to listen to Ron Bristle when people walk into investigation finding another explanation for everything, there wouldn't be the issue if somebody starts out by saying that is specifically what they are there to do. Likewise, I've heard friends irate that someone sharing the folklore of an area haunt hasn't historically cross-referenced everything. I feel if they are there to share a good story, why shouldn't they? The other big issue I find is when somebody does state a goal only to violate it. If you want to have a scientific investigation, that you say is to collect data. You can't put together full stories based on vague evidence. And frankly, if you are there to just experience a haunt, why should you have a knapsack full of electronic equipment? <clears throat> anyway, that's been my work in theory, and I'd love to hear you guys take on this. Love the shows, and I'll continue to be a dedicated listening listener, and this lady is Melly. So there you go. So we're going to talk about that. Thanks, Jen. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye. So there you go. Well, that lady, Melly, talks a great deal of sense, actually. Um, I know. I, I was I, quite impressed by her. It was a rather lengthy email, but, yeah, uh, but you know. The, the only thing I would take exception, uh, would, would, would not take exception to, but is, would contradict this, um, and it's a failing on our part, is actually uh, we, we haven't made it clear in our conversations um, about the different types of ghosts. And we've just talked generally... Um, and I, th I guess on my part, kind of assumed that people would would pick up the differences. So mm -hmm. I apologise for not making that clear. Um, but if we take some of the points, um, the creation of I, I've, I sort of try and do them chronologically. Um, okay. But th there will be a little bit of leaping around. Yeah. Um, the creation of a hypothesis, um, so that sort of links into a scientific investigation, a science-focused investigation, I think, would be more, more appropriate because science works on the... Science is not taking equipment. Science is not going, as Mally says, with a knapsack full of, of gadgets. Science is actually a method um, where you observe a phenomena 
that you then uh, ask a series of questions to define a hypothesis based upon um, the observation. You then test the hypothesis. You look at the results of the, of, of the test. You might then redesign the hypothesis and do further testing until you reach a conclusion. Now, the conclusion might be in favour of the hypothesis or it might be against the hypothesis. And that's very much the principle that I believe, um, or is, is the method I use, and I believe is um, the correct method for scientific, science-focused investigation of, of ghosts and the paranormal. Um, but that doesn't dismiss um, others with, with different interests, because there are people who, are, I think we've sort of tongue-in-cheek said, uh, the people who are on having an interactive scary movie experience they just right. want to go along and they want to you know have a a night out with their friends they want to be scared they want to go into dark corridors they want to you know have something jump out on them um, and then go home and and you know have a good uh, good laugh about it afterwards there are those and i think basically uh, regardless of whether you are science focused uh, whether you are um interested in uh, the folklore or the mythology or whether you're a puzzle solver, I think everybody falls into the uh, category of uh, interaction. We all want, we all really do want to have our own first-hand ghost experience. Um, for the science-focused ones, it's because by having that first-hand experience, of course, we get to understand it. Um, but we are all, at the end of the day, also human beings. And, you know, I, more than anybody, um, would love to see a ghost face-to-face. Um, puzzle solvers, I guess they, they also come under the science focus because a lot of paranormal uh, ghost investigation is puzzle-solving um, in order to devise experiments to test the hypothesis. Um, then you so, are in fact solving a puzzle. Right. So, so you know it is it is puzzle solving. And and the, the interesting thing, I, I mean, the first thing I think, and I totally agree with you, is a scientific investigation is not necessarily concerned with the use of equipment, but rather as the proper procedure. It's entirely procedure. These, um, I, 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 I get quite cross sometimes listening to people um, who have a science background or an academic background saying uh, they always start their conversations uh, from a position of uh, pseudo-authority by saying, as a scientist, as a scientist, and I'm sure you've, you've heard them saying it, um, in reality... Anybody can do science because, as you've just said and as I said before, science is a methodology. It, it, you don't have to be a scientist to do science. In fact, if you are doing science, by definition, you're a scientist. Mm-hmm. And, and that's interesting because, you know, I have my degree in environmental science, and a lot of times I get labeled as a scientist. Uh, and I really never been comfortable with that uh, title. Uh, and, and then I get accused by other people that there is no such thing as a paranormal scientist, so therefore I'm a phony on that. So, I mean, I I understand, okay, you have your background, but it, it goes really down when you investigate. It's how you investigate. Do you use scientific? 
sort of protocol or do you or methodology? I guess you is a better word. I don't know which is better, protocol or methodology. Um, well, either uh, either are applicable, but mm. um, I think. We've got to also remember that if we look at, for example, archaeology or astronomy, some of the greatest discoveries have been made by, by amateurs, amateur, amateur right, scientists, um, people without the, the necessary schooling or the qualifications. And nowadays there does seem to be uh, perhaps a, a movement to, uh, towards, and I think this comes, comes over with the sceptics in particular, um, sort of scientific elitism. You know, I have a degree, therefore I'm cleverer than you, therefore what I say is more important than what you say. Right. Um, and I, I, I don't think that's necessarily true because it, 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 it disregards experience, vocational qualifications. The old argument that, that is so often thrown up into our line of work is... Anything you say is meaningless because you can't be an expert. There can be no experts in the paranormal. And that in itself is actually a pretty nonsensical thing to say because I, I would argue that you can have expertise in the paranormal. Um, no one would argue for, uh, or would, would dispute the fact that you can have a great deal of expertise in the history of the paranormal. Or you, you might have a great deal of expertise in the processes of measuring uh, the location. So, for example, my qualifications do give me a degree of expertise in measuring temperature, humidity, light, sound, mm-hmm. etc., because I have formal qualifications in them. Now, I'm only applying um, those qualifications in 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 the way that they're designed to be applied um, to give me and the investigation and hopefully people who read the results some better understanding of the conditions that took place inside a given location and by by examining those conditions uh, by by looking for the causes of a change in temperature uh, if we can't find it by looking properly using all of the correct and well understood methods then we're left with an area that we currently can't explain. And I genuinely believe that's as close as we can get to the paranormal. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, can, I have, enjoy, you I can enjoy, have expertise, uh, certainly. Uh, well, yeah, other experts, you know, it's like saying when the first, uh, you know, astronomers come around, were they experts? You know, it was, they weren't even accepted, so it was hard to call them experts, you know what I'm saying? So that's, that's the thing we're getting into involved with here, in that uh, nobody wants to be labeled an expert, or some people do want to be labeled an expert. And it, the question is, who labels them? You, you know, that's the, the, the thing. Is it, is it their peers? Is it, uh, how would you say that? I mean, it's, it's very difficult. Uh, you know, I mean, we all... There are certain people who have had more experience. Does that mean they're going to get better results uh, than someone who's just starting? Not necessarily, because there's so much we don't know about this field that, like you said, most of the the great discoveries were discovered by amateurs. So it, it's really that, that's the whole thing. It's uh, it, it's such a mishmash field. <laughs> it, it's difficult I, I, to really. Well, I guess that's part of the fascination of it as well, isn't it? Um, yeah. The, it's, the eternal, it's the eternal hunt. Um, whether we'll ever uh, find the answers, I don't know. But what's mm-hmm. interesting is that we can certainly... Um, I mean, even, even in the 
25, 30 years I've been doing it, there have been puzzle uh, pieces fitted into the jigsaw puzzle. Um, you know, you know my favourite. Um, we now know, that, for example, uh, back in the Uh-oh. late 1990s, we were seeing anomalies on digital cameras. Nowadays, these are accepted. In fact, Sony, Fuji actually put a page into the camera uh, handbook that says right. that these anomalies are not paranormal and that they're caused by dust and moisture. Yeah, that, that's and an interesting thing you brought that up because... That, so we can, move, we can move it forward in some areas. Yeah, but uh, what, one thing I was going to say it, it, when you about you bringing that up is that I, I spoke with someone over at that expo and they were talking about if you want to know something about... Uh, cameras and pictures, you should be going to the, you know, the people who make cameras and, and develop the film and, and all that mm-hmm. stuff versus uh, just people who are on the Internet in the paranormal field because those are the real experts in regards to the camera. They understand the camera more than anyone else. That's dead right, and that's exactly the first step that we ever did back in the late 1990s is we took the pictures that we'd had uh, to Sony and asked them for their opinions. Um, And now, um, you know, uh, within the last two years, uh, Sony have included a page in most of the uh, manuals, handbooks that they supply with their cameras, as indeed the Fujifilm cameras, uh, describing this very phenomena. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're absolutely right. A piece of equipment uh, should be used uh, the way it was intended to be used. And, and a good example of that, of course, are many of the handheld uh, electromagnetic field, the EMF meters that are, right. that are out there, because they are designed by the manufacturer to measure a certain thing, usually um, microwave uh, emissions from a... Uh, an oven or a cell phone or some other man-made source, I don't know of a single one where the manufacturer has actually put on the front of it. Um, I'm talking about the equipment manufacturer, not the, not the guy selling it on the Ghost Gadget website, but has actually said, uh, this measures ghost energy or paranormal EMF. Unfortunately, we do, have, we do have meters that are actually called ghost meters now. And, we, we have relabeled ones, but they're only relabeled. You're they're right, still they are not relabeled. Well, uh, and, 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 well, you know, we've gone even beyond that now. We have equipment that is made, uh, whether the, the uh, technology is valid or not, for the paranormal, like the new ghost meters that... T- talk to you and yeah. and uh, I mean those are actually made for the paranormal and yeah, if, if you, you said, take them apart though they are exactly the same inside as a K2 or a cell mm-hmm. sensor um, yeah. they're just you know cleverly packaged they are only capable of measuring known electromagnetic fields um, I mean that's an interesting you bring up the EMF meter most people have an EMF meter, meter of some sort in their kit uh, but a lot of them don't really understand it. They don't know. For instance, do you know the range of EMF meters? Uh, well, that varies from model to model, but yeah, exactly. generally. Do you, what I, about your model? I do. You know? I do. Where, I can answer that question, depending on which model. Okay. And do you know which way the sensors are, where you were actually getting the readings from? Are you getting it from the top, bottom side? Uh, do you know that for each meter? 
Uh, well, you can leave it. We're yes. We actually have to take a break. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll uh, come back in a second, I guess. Uh, you listen to Ghost Chronicles International. Steve Posits, Ron Kolick, right here at Tojanet. Pararex, Ghost Channel Beyond. We'll be right back after the following messages. See you then. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged, Restrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous, as we give awards to the Parax family. Take 6,427. All right. Hi, I'm Ron Kolek, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Maltonted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Mr. Parascience, Steve Parsons, New England's own Van Helsink, Ron Kolick, right here on Tojinet Parax Ghost Channel Beyond. Not a problem, though. I'll have Jim trip me in one. Uh, oh, we were talking about uh, EMF meters before the break. And, we were? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I brought up a, a couple points about the range of them. You know, uh, my paranormal study group, what we did is we took a whole pile of meters and we set up an EMF pump and we actually got a, a uh, what do you call it, a yard stick or a meter stick, uh, depending what side mm-hmm. of the pond you're on. And uh, we went from the source and we went farther and farther and, and see how far it read from it. So th- that was interesting. Also, we, we ch- checked out where the sensors were on each of the meters and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yes, go on, young man. No, I, you asked me some questions before relating to all of the different um, do I know where the sensors are, the way the sensors are orientated, the frequency operating ranges, um, the measurement ranges of these meters? Yep. And the answer to that is for the, the vast majority of them, um, yes, because it's the sort of geeky thing I do. Um, you know, when a new meter hits the market and, and goes into the ghost hunting world, then we have to be able to understand it and understand what it's doing and measuring. And so, uh, first of all, read the manufacturer's specifications and obviously try and get hold of one, inevitably dismantle it, um, test it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because, yeah, it's a case of, um, you know, if you're going to if you're going to use these pieces of equipment, then you have to understand what they're doing. Um, in 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 the sense that um, when I was trained uh, within industry, in order to measure something, you have to measure it to a set of defined international standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite often, a, a piece of equipment that you'll be using to do that will be calibrated by the manufacturer on an annual basis in order to meet Absolutely. those... Absolutely. Recalibration. That's something you never hear in the industry. Well, that's something that we do use within Parascience because all our equipment is calibrated on an annual basis um, against either by the manufacturer or against a known reference source. Um, because that's that's important. Because if you are going to measure anything, if you go if you go um, anywhere on the internet and look up measuring electromagnetics or measuring sound or measuring light, that is why we have these standards of uh, uh, of units, milligauss and and lux for light, uh, and you have to. You have to be able to measure things in a controlled and defined way in order for the results to mean anything at all. Now, I've been given uh, EMF meters that have 10 LED lights on the front with no scale. Um, Mm -hmm. At one end of the scale, the the lights are green. In the middle, they're yellow. And at the top end, they're red. And the only indication you've got of... um, any from the meter is more or less lights so there is no indication of units or range so you're mm-hmm. you're basically saying well that that signal is three leds and that signal is a, a red led and that signal is an orangey red led and a flickery green led it's mean absolutely meaningless um so you've got to be able to measure to a set of defined standards if you're going to do something you know you that involves equipment, then you have to be able to use it correctly and properly. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no I point, agree. Is there? So, anyways, getting back to um, that original email, uh, mm. and and I guess it's if you are going to do this, then you should really state what your goals was, and I think that's what she's looking for. Is you know, are you going to do it under a certain method or not? Uh, is this event is this thing that you're doing this investigation whatever it is uh is it for someone who's just looking for you know an experience uh and and, and why do you think that if, if someone who's looking for experience they do carry a whole bag full of uh toys 
Well, that comes down to, to uh, basically what they've learned, isn't it? It's learned behaviour because they have seen on their TV programmes that that's how it's done. Um, in order to be a ghost hunter, you must have the knapsack full of gadgets. In actual fact, uh, we use a great deal of equipment because we use a site where a science-focused organisation, but we hardly ever use any equipment unless we've got something to measure. The most useful pieces of equipment that we have inside uh, our, our team are the members of the team, a notebook, a pen, a watch and a torch, and very, very little else. Because if we go back to um, Melly's original comments, um, we are there, first of all, to observe um, our own group observations are then compared to the original accounts of the witnesses, and then we form a hypothesis um, as to what we think might be going on and what we think might be testable. That's the point at which we can apply equipment in order to make the measurements and the, the observations to, to, to undertake the tests. Now, that's what we do, and we state that. Um, and it's also stated within the group's name, I and mean, it's pretty obvious parascience. But there are organisations right, out meaning, there... Meaning uh, fake science, right? No, parascience, paranormal science, not pseudoscience. Oh, oh. <laughs> there are groups out there who, who, who want to have a personal right. experience, and there is no conflict in, in, in my mind to them doing that. And I actually welcome uh, their inter... Their, 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 interactions because they have you know they're actually providing us with information uh, from their you know from their own experiences the only problem i have is when people uh sell tickets to the public um and claim that they are allowing the public to go on a real investigation when in actual fact they're not they're missing because you wouldn't really do it the way they do it for the public Exactly. Um, I don't see how you can do any form of investigation with 40 people clumping around a building. Um, if you say we are having a paranormal evening, a paranormal event, uh, a paranormal interaction. Paranormal uh, survivor. Yeah. Um, that's... But to, to say, you know, come and learn the technique, you know, come and be a ghost hunter, come and, you know, do a real investigation, etc., etc., you just can't do it. And, and I, of all these groups, I, I mean, that she classified, and it's, it's really interesting. Uh, my favorites are, of course, the ghost uh, tour groups, which is because I, I love history and I love the the stories, and and I think those that's that's a fun thing to do. And the other one I, I, I consider, I guess, more than anything, is the puzzle maker. I, I think that's that's kind of a cool thing where you you look at the pieces and try to make the whole and some unfortunately you kind of force some of the pieces well if you think back to a guest we had a couple of weeks ago mj wayland um mm -hmm. who calls himself a, a paranormal explorer i would mm -hmm. say that that's very much what he does because he's looking at you know a different aspect of of the cases he's looking towards um where was the first you know, where were the first recorded instances of something happening? You know, can you track it back through time? Um, can you relate experiences to events? So he is very much a puzzle, a puzzle solver. Um, and we need them too. And we can... Ghost hunting really ought to be a multidisciplinary uh, 
exp- a multidisciplinary task because you know we need people with a knowledge of history we need parapsychologists we need field investigators who are competent with measuring things we need people who are just simply there to observe and to interact we need mediums um because they have an input too Mm -hmm. and what we need to do is to draw all of these strands together um and to see where that evidence leads us and then form hypotheses that can be tested so Mm -hmm. it's it it does draw in so many different um, people with different areas of interest and different skill sets within, um, you know, uh, the paranormal right. world. And I, I, think really we should. I, think, I think you need that well-roundedness. Uh, you know, you don't hang. For instance, if you use a medium, you don't hang on everything they say. You still conduct your investigation as if there was no medium there. Uh, but in, at the same time, they, they sometimes can provide interesting information. I, I agree totally. Um, I mean, there are, there are many, many groups, um, certainly over here in the UK, that are led by mediums or where there is a, an over-biasing towards the group's resident medium and what they say. Um, and that, again, I think is media-driven because prior to Most Haunted, of course, um, the ghost hunting programs that were on almost never had mediums. They were just, uh, they, were, they were predominantly equipment-focused. Um, but then with the advent of likes of Most Haunted, they, I think somebody quickly realised that you're not going to get a series out of that. Um, and so you bring in the medium because they can say, oh my God, if he, there's a, there's a bad and he's a bad and if he's over there in the corner. <laughs> Um, you know, that's more entertaining. And people right. have, you know, followed that lead. Um, and, and Seal and Cat from the, the Pararex chat room uh, made a good point. She says that the people are looking towards the TV shows for guidance when they do their investigations. So that's why these groups are developed and have become the way they, they are. Yeah, I, I, I think people forget sometimes, uh, and it's the same with soap operas, I think people forget that these shows are primarily for entertainment and also to sell advertising space. Um, you know, if the show wasn't entertaining, um, you know, people wouldn't watch it. And we all know the reality of ghost hunting is predominantly, it is, it's, it, you know, it's as, bad as exciting as watching paint dry. Um, you can't. It's very, very difficult to then portray that in an in an entertaining way. It can be done, and it has been done um, within documentary formats. Um, but you know, people are absolutely you know they are led by the media. They believe that Dallas and and Dynasty are are genuine programs, and the characters are in them are real people, uh, and, and get really worked up. You know, they think that the X Factor, you know, people on the X Factor and America's Got Talent can really sing. Um, Ooh, and they're, they're not, not going there. <laughs> and they're not being affected by an auto tune device. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, so I think we've, we've pretty much covered that email, and I want to go on to another one. I, I, okay. I know I want to cover these two. And the reason I want to cover this one is because uh, tonight at my paranormal study group at the Circles of Wisdom in Andover, uh, we are focused. Yep, next to Petrucci's. We, uh, we are covering psychometry, and uh, you are going to be doing... Uh, reaching us by skypes and we'll be talking 
uh, doing some experiments uh, via Skypes as well as in the class itself. So that's kind of cool. So anyways, I got this, uh, I received this uh, email, and it says, Ron, Psychometry, I am a member of your meetup group, but I have not gone to any meetings. Okay, that makes sense. I am in contact with someone who is working on a meter to test the objects that are claimed to be haunted. The so-called objects that are haunted, can a meter be built to measure energy that contains? Uh, psychic sense energy, but there are so many fakes out there. Maybe your girlfriend, well, I didn't know I had one, but evidently I do. <laughs> Maybe your girlfriend can help you develop something so we can, uh, so we do not have to rely on psychics. And this is from Bill, the tech director of the Essex County Ghost Project, who stole my name, uh, in Able Mass. <laughs> okay, Bill, I, I, yeah, the, the, um, I think there you've hit the holy grail. Can, can we invent a device that can measure energies from uh, from an object i know it's been it's certainly people I, I have think, looked I, at it i think well that's you're missing the point i think Am he's I? missing the point and perhaps you can measure energy but what is it going to tell you well, yeah, the, we, I hadn't missed the point because you hadn't let me finish. What I was actually oh, no, going to say I, you is, know, I never let you what, finish. Because what, if I, what if I let sort you finish, of energy? You go on and on forever, Steve. You know what I mean? I wasn't going to. It was the next <laughs> I'm sentence. Just you. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> it is, which was what you've just said. What energy are we going to measure? How do we know that it's paranormal? How do we know that it's what the mediums are sensing? Because we mm -hmm. can't find out what they're sensing. So you can measure what you like because you can't relate it to what the mediums are sensing. And, and, yeah, is it haunted? Is it, this energy somehow defined as haunted? I, I don't know how you would even attempt to define that. Um, nor would I, but that doesn't mean to say that people haven't tried. People have tried to test the stone tape theory mm -hmm. um, by building different pieces of... Uh, I, long before Richard. Um, mm -hmm. you know, people, no, but people I mean, Richard were, is one of them that we, we know and we have discussed mm -hmm. on the show, and, and Richard and I have discussed on the show. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. There are people attempting to do that. That's absolutely right. Um, but, again, the, it comes down to the basic question. We understand electromagnetics. We understand the, the electromagnetic spectrum. And we know how we can measure different wave frequencies and wavelengths within them. And one of the conundrums of psychical research has always been this suggestion from spiritualism of the ether, the psychic ether, this, this otherworldly energy that, that surrounds us and interacts with us and that psychics can, can um, sense and that, that, the, that, that spirit entities can utilize and manipulate in some way to interact with us. That right. they use this energy in order to make the lights flash on a meter or to make uh, the voice appear from an EVP recorder. Um, but we, don't, we can't find that, that, that energy. We can't measure it. We can't define it in any way. And so we are entirely reliant upon um, these subjective accounts. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's where it, it starts to unravel because rather than being a... Um, a sort of correlation of ideas, what you've got from spiritualism is a whole random series of different threads. Some spiritualists believe uh, in one one strand, or a different group believe in another, and who's to say who's right, who's to say who's wrong? Mm -hmm. um, and that's where it starts, to, it starts to unravel. And basing it on the, the, the sound principles from, from uh, astronomy and archaeology... Um, 
you move from the known towards the unknown. But what a lot of ghost hunters are doing are looking at at everything in the hope that they will find something that they can't understand and label it paranormal. Um, And this is the problem with using cameras, full-spectrum cameras, and turning the lights off. Uh, We talked about this recently. If the original witness saw the ghost with their own eyes and heard it with their own ears, then we need to be listening and looking within the visible light spectrum and the audible frequency bands, not ultrasound, not EVP, and not sitting in the dark with cameras with, you know, with bizarre filters all over them um because that's not what originally took place so you're starting off from the basis of the known we know somebody saw something therefore it was within the visible light band right and and the interesting thing you why you were even uh that you brought up and it's an interesting point is that uh i actually brought that up in my talk about looking for invisible people in the dark and basically i have to bring this up right now because uh uh here we go but yeah the other thing in that i think uh, this gentleman fails to understand is that the experiments that i do with psychometry is not really uh to prove that psychics are real or fake but rather that if ordinary people are a group of people, what can they get from reading? In other words, you know, is there energy of any sort? And somehow we read this energy. If you're not psychic, what can you get from this? And and that's kind of what we're doing. You're looking at a, a group of people who are, are not psychics and uh, trying to get that reading from someone okay Uh, that makes perfect sense because we can't measure anything from the object itself but what we can do is see if if we give the same object to a group of people um Mm -hmm. say 100 people if the majority of that group of people come up with a similar uh impression of the object they all give a similar account Mm -hmm. uh, about about their feelings relating to that object then there is a case starting to be made about some link between the subjective human mind and the, whatever you want to call them, the emanations from from the object itself. And that exactly. would interest science. Um, and, and psychometry is valid, you know, for that reason. Right. So, I mean, this is kind of like what you talked about, and this is what I found. Uh, you know, uh, quite a few years back, years back, we did an investigation at Wood Island Lighthouse, and we had a reporter from the Boston Globe uh, go with us. And they did a nice story on it, but they also did a cartoon on it, which was kind of cool if you could be in a cartoon. And in the cartoon, it shows uh, a ghost hunter, and uh, he's talking to this other guy, and behind him is a lighthouse, and there's like four or five ghosts ripping out of this lighthouse. And and underneath it says, Ronald Kolick, a Draken man, has spent years tracking down ghosts and other paranormal activity in reportedly haunted places. And then this is my little caption. I'm speaking here, and it says, I picked up a little reading with my meter, but... Really nothing to be worried about. And here behind me, there's these four or five ghosts just shooting all out. I'm so wrapped up in my meter and everything that I'm missing the obvious. Well, you're also missing, there's, there's, another, there's another possibility there, that your meter might just not be picking them up. You know, the, the fact that you have a device in your hand is, yeah, you're focusing on it, but you're also being misled by it because we know that 
there is no piece of equipment yet invented that can measure ghosts and spirits. So you, why you're, you, while you're looking at that and it's flashing and flickering, it's telling you something, but it's distracting you from what's really taking place. Mm. Use, you know, look around you. Um, don't just focus on the piece of equipment because it's going to mislead you. I take 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 uh, the screen of a thermal imaging camera. Um, you know, the, you're looking at a picture, but you're not actually looking at a picture. You're looking at heat um, that's being presented as a picture. So when you see anomalies on the screen, you interpret it as as if it were as a photographic anomaly. When in actual fact, it's a thermal anomaly, mm-hmm. and you you will say, "Oh, I don't, under- I can't explain it. Therefore, it must be paranormal." But in the context of it being a thermal anomaly, it is entirely explainable. The problem lies with, well, we have a saying over here. We call it um, uh, an embolus, uh, camera embolus. It's called the clock mm-hmm. behind the lens. Um, so it's operator error. Okay, now I get it. All right. Hello? 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 Yeah, it was, a, it was a bad joke anyway, so I thought it was oh. just... Stop I was it. waiting for the punchline. That was the punchline. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so it's a particularly think... British joke. All the Brits on the, on the listening in the chat room got it. Oh, okay. Oh, two of them. <laughs> Three, actually. Oh, there you go. Hey, anyways, uh, I, I know we're running out of time, and I, I do want to mention I, I think we addressed that pretty much uh, at this time. And, and it was nice to answer some of these letters because... Uh, uh, I am so busy. Sometimes. I think we should do this once a month. I think we should have well, a Well, you know, some of the, when they come in, I will have to take yeah. it, even if we don't do a whole show, but do a segment uh, with addressing some of these questions that we get. Um, but anyways, coming October, uh, the beginning yeah. of October, uh, I understand that you are going to be uh, starting to row over here in your little rowboat and uh, come to America. Uh, I've been been cordially invited to Spirit Quest and to um, mm. come over to uh, Annoyous. Well, New England in, yeah. in late September. Well, the end of September, very early October. So, uh, yeah. I hope you'll all be kind to me. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> I, I don't know quite how my message of uh, orbs and K two meters will go down, but I'm sure. Yeah, well, the first sure, half is church. One of the things I'm looking forward to most is learning, learning a lot from your, you know, your American ghost hunting techniques, because it's always good to look at other people's techniques. And, you know, it's it's always good to learn from other people's methods and techniques. Um, For for me, it's very it's an educational trip. If it wasn't for the Brits, I mean, I would have never learned glass swirling. I mean, I'm so excited. Uh, well, I can only apologise for that, but that actually, <laughs> that, I think that comes from France. So, uh. oh well, no, no, I actually uh, haunted them on Tommy that they came over here and uh, ah, the Wizzy Boyden House, and they they demonstrated for the first time, and okay. uh, I love it, absolutely love it, love it, love it, love it, fun, 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 fun. fun. They probably pinched it from a Hollywood movie, though. I don't know, whatever. I don't know what you but yeah, I'm, do, I'm very much looking forward to learning from the American ghost hunters and from yourself and from American American mediums, um, and you know, we 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 share so much. I mean, you know, the history of the of 
paranormal research this side of the Atlantic is quite closely linked with paranormal research uh, your side of, of the Atlantic. Um, you know, we, we've mirrored each other for the past 150 years, but we, 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 we've sort of diversified a little bit, and I think it'd be Uh-oh. good to look at each other's techniques. Did you hear that? I did. I don't know what it was. That was the, the doorbell. It means the pizza from uh, the dead is the here. The two cheese is here. Yeah, we got to move on, so there you okay. go. Uh, but anyway, so let me talk. Uh, tickets are on sale for Ghost uh, Spirit Quest, uh, which is uh, the first uh, weekend in October weekend. Uh, I think it's the 5th to the 7th. And uh, if you pre-buy them now, you can save $100 off the entire event. Plus, you get a special uh, welcome package, and you get the special meet and greet, uh, which will only be available to those who have the VIP package. Woohoo! So there you go. Who did they get, they get to meet and greet? Yeah, me. Uh, anyways... <laughs> You can go to our website, which is anyghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com, anyghostproject.com, and all the information is on there. We'll be adding lots of uh, events and and, uh, uh, speakers and and other presenters and stuff. It's going to be cool. Cool, cool, cool. But Friday night we're having... Friday night we're having a paranormal survivor, which is something really cool. You you love that one, I can tell. (laughs) You come up with these great names. Uh, Paranormal Survivor. You, you have this, this. You ever see that Survivor series there? And uh, no, TV? but I, I can relate to it. I know what Paranormal Survivor is like at three a.m. when you were wishing <laughs> you had a better hobby. Uh, or being stuck in a room who hasn't, with someone uh, who hasn't bathed. Just being stuck in a cold <laughs> building at three a.m. is enough. It's, it is yeah. a survival exercise sometimes. Survivor, which will be the British team and the US team, which one will survive? Oh, this could be interesting. And you'll be part of it. You, I can working. already give you the answer to that. We've won. Brits win. That's all I can say. We'll have to make a wager on this. You realize that, don't you? Brits will win. We'll have to make a wager on it. You do realize that, right? You'll, you'll lose. You'll lose. Wager no, all the like, you'll lose. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. You remember who sets the rules, right? <laughs> Oh, and there's the music, but also Saturday night, which is really, really cool, is going to be uh, this mediumistic event, which will be exploring uh, mediumship through the centuries. And we'll have red light seances and all kinds of cool stuff. Anyways, we got to go. Sounds cool. So, time to wrap it up. Good night and God bless everyone. See you next Good week. Night. Thanks for listening. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.